Welcome back to another edition of Double Fries No Slaw. Appreciate you guys for hanging out with us today. Uh, as always, myself, TJ Pittenger, buddy Richie Barnes, the super host now, and uh, 2013 national champion, Freddie Stevenson. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Doing well. Man, we are 13 days away from the season. We are officially inside two weeks. I'm excited. Let's roll. Yeah. Coming quickly, um, you know, I, I make a joke about it every week, but, you know, it's it's fun to have a national champion on here weekly. Uh, it's also a lot of fun when you when you bring on another national champion. Um, not our first time doing this, um, but in the fifth episode that we've had scheduled, this is now another national champion we're going to bring on. Let's just jump right into it. I do want to, before we do that, I do want to make sure that you remember Double Fries No Slaw is brought to you by Guthrie's in Tallahassee. Uh, both of their locations are open and available even during these times at 2550 North Monroe Street and 1818 West Tennessee Street. Make sure to order your food, your gut box, Double Fries No Slaw, uh, and tell them that we sent you. Uh, let's jump right into it, guys, man. We have a um, – I'll add them right here to the, to the stream. The first ever Heisman winner at – Florida State, 1993 national champion. Um, there's some debate. I know that everybody has their favorite Heisman quarterback, but uh, a lot of people consider the greatest quarterback to ever play in the Garden and Gold um, and then went on and had a successful NBA career as well. Charlie Ward, how you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing just fine, sirs. How you guys doing? Doing good, Charlie. Thanks for joining us tonight. Sir, we're glad we got a legend. I'm feeling good. <laughs> Man, don't, don't start with that. <laughs> now we, uh, I mean, we'll we'll jump right into it. But it seems to be the way I've I've started every interview. Now, what is your? Do you have any kind of relationship with uh, with Guthrie's? Have you ever had a gut box? Have you ever eaten there? Tell me, tell me about it, man. The most important questions first. Uh, yeah, um, actually, I haven't. Um, eating at Guthrie's, but I've been by it quite a few times, and oh, I've man. heard great things about it. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't uh, eat much chicken, but um, sounds like double fries, no slaw. <laughs> That's right. How does that work? Well, mo I mean, most places. Are a you chicken. a? I'm a vegan right now, so I'm definitely not eating chicken. Uh, but yeah. in in college. Um, you know, we were on a budget, but I guess Guthrie's was one of the places that colleges, college students uh, visited because there are a lot of people who are eating there. So I only, I heard great things about it, but unfortunately, I just didn't, I don't eat chicken. Well, you don't have to eat the chicken. You can always go in and get your order double fried. Yeah. I think the fries, I mean, depending on, they're probably just put them in peanut oil, right? Like, I think that you could get away with just an order of double fries. Just, you could still leave the coleslaw on the side. So we, uh, that's how we came up with the name for this, uh, because everybody, and nobody orders the coleslaw, right? Like, if you're a college kid, you're not worried about the vegetable, like, you just, and they don't, they don't there's no upcharge for the extra fries. So you just throw the coleslaw away, double my fries. And that's how we came up with this. So, um, go go get you an order of double fries and tell them it's on me. So, um, <laughs> we'll we'll jump into it, man. So, Florida State, Richie was just talking about, starts in 13 days, opens with Georgia Tech. 
has a bye week and then jumps right into Miami this year. Really, I mean, just kind of a crazy offseason from um, some things that have happened off the field um, to obviously a global pandemic right now. Um, you know, what are your expectations for, for Florida State? First-year coach uh, coming out of mo- two of the roughest seasons we've had in a lot – I mean, since well before your time. What, what are your – what are your expectations here for, for Florida State this year? Uh, well, we uh, definitely, you know, I'm grateful that we have Coach Norville here. Uh, f- for one, one main reason is everyone, you know, is on board with him being here. Um, and so that that's very important uh, for any establishment to be able to have uh, full support uh, from at least the people who are making the decisions. And of course, when that's all, you know, in line, they will market, you know, market the program and the things that he's doing um, to the best of their ability for everyone else to join. And so I think that's just important. Um, Of course, he's a great coach. Uh, He's done well at Memphis. Um, He's been successful at the places he's been before, Arizona State, I think it was. And so, uh, you know, we're looking forward to uh, just him getting his hands on the program, which he's done a great job of. Of course, you know, we had the incident with Marvin Wilson and, you know, all the things, negative <clears throat> things that's been trying to come out. But he's uh, done a great job of, you know, rounding up the troops and, and communicating and getting things all on the same page. And, you know, one thing that we've had, we've had great athletes, um, but with all the negative negativity surrounding the program, it really doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, the other thing about Coach Nobile is he's uh, brought some stability uh, to the program, even in a short time. You know, with the coaches that he's brought on board, they've all had some, he's all, he's had some form of a relationship with them before he got here, um, except for maybe three guys, you know, the, the two guys that were currently on staff, their former uh or their FSU alumnus, um, and then Coach JP. I think he came from North Carolina, which he was uh, someone that was recommended to Coach Norville. But I just think overall, you know, the program is in a very good place. The guys have bought into what he's been uh, selling, and, you know, the discipline has been uh, on point. Uh, just guys sacrificing uh, for the betterment of the team. That's one of the things he's been harping on. And I just think overall we're in a good place right now. Now, I don't know how many games we'll win, uh, but I just do know that we're heading in the right direction. And a lot of things that he's implemented <clears throat> will definitely carry over because uh, a lot of team building took a day off. They took a you know, trip to do a team building activity. And so I just think he has a lot of a lot of great um things that he's working to do to help uh, bring the family atmosphere, uh, trust in one another. All those things go a long ways into winning. Have you – go ahead, go ahead, Freddie. What would be your advice for these guys that have dealt with two different coaches in the past three years and now they they have a new coach? What would be your advice for those guys that may have trust issues and they're just – they already had issues with these past coaches, and now they have to adapt to a new coach. What would be your advice for these guys? Uh, well, every coach is different, mm-hmm. and, you know, you have to 
treat them that way. We were blessed to be able to have just one coach, a head coach anyway. And I know for me, uh, there was no major change uh, my five years in, in, in college when it came to coaching. Uh, the only change was uh, Coach Rick came my second year. Um, Coach Darrell Dickey was there my freshman, true freshman year. And so that was really the only change within the staff. And so I can, only, I mean, I can only imagine how tough it can be when you have multiple coaches, head coaches coming in, and then the negativity around the program, and then losing on top of that. You know, that's just a lot. But one of the things I do think Coach Norvell has done is he's gotten the attention of the majority, the leaders. Uh, it was very important for Marvin Wilson and Tamron Terry, uh, Corey Durton, uh, Jay Rob, all the guys who decided to come back for their senior years. Uh, that was very important for him because it gave him that leadership that he needed uh, to be able to, you know, implement the things that he wanted. Um, and I know for myself, you know, when I got to Florida State, we had a bunch of uh, seniors, um, upperclassmen that taught us the, how to win and what it was going to take. And so I just think it's important, even, they, even though the guys who are seniors really haven't had the success that they've, they've wanted, that was one of the things Marvin uh, mentioned was he wanted to come back to get Florida State back to the prominence that it was at one point. And so that was his main focus and goal, and he's bought in from the jump. And, uh, and so I just think it's important for all those guys who've had different coaches, you know, they've given Coach Norvell his time to be able to implement the things that he wanted, and he's been consistent. Um, and so they called, you know, of course, I didn't like the way they called him out, but they called him out on, some, on one thing, and he addressed it. You know, he didn't shy away from it, and I just think that's great leadership, and now everyone's on board. And the guys who aren't on board, you know, they're not there anymore, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, and then, you know, those that have spoken out about certain things, you know, they've handled it, handled it um, the way you're supposed to. And so I think when it's all said and done, you know, guys are going to jump on board because he had, he's been consistent in his message um, and, you know, the discipline, uh, the team, the family, all those things are very, very important to him. And that's the way he's living his life. Uh, that's the way the coaches are living. And so I just think it's something that we all have to, you know, give give them a chance. You know, it may not may not be, uh, they may not go uh, according to plan early on, which I hope. But if it doesn't, we still have to support them. Now, Charlie, you kind of mentioned that just that you're really close to the program. So you have a, a, you know, a front row view, so to speak, of what's going on. And you mentioned the Marvin Wilson thing and how coach, you know, did a really good job of, you know, taking ownership of that. And it seems like he's earning the trust. We had the Warren Thompson situation a, a few weeks ago, which we've discussed on here. But after that, I think what was more telling, and you touched on some of these leaders, Asante Samuel, Jaden Lars would be Marvin Wilson came out quickly to defend coach Norvell. Um, so it's something we're, we're seeing. And then this week, Isaiah Bolden made the switch from defensive back to wide receiver. I was listening to him in his press conference after practice, and he had nothing but positive things to say. He said he's he trusts Coach Norvell in everything he does, and he just wants you know to do whatever it's best to win this program. So how difficult has that been for him doing this you know, through a pandemic on Zoom and just now getting the chance to do it? And are you seeing the team come together you know, like as we would expect, or is it ahead of schedule? Or where, where do you think we are right now? 
Well, I think we're in a great place. Um, for one, we have great athletes um, that, are, that, are, that are coachable. And that's the thing that, you know, whenever I'll talk to Coach Norville or text him, he just says that he likes coaching these guys. You know, that's just his, you know, his statement. And, you know, that's one of the things I know for myself, uh, coaching high school basketball here in Tallahassee at Florida High, you know, I have a great group of guys, have some very, I mean, a lot of talent on, on the, on the uh, roster, uh, but they're just great kids as well. And that's just a joy to coach. Um, you're going to have the outliers, but when you start establishing great leadership on a football team or a basketball team or any team, uh, the more leaders you have, more positive leaders you have, those outliers will either conform to what you're doing or they'll jump off ship um, at some point in time. And I just think, you know, he's done a great job of just being consistent in his message. Um, and, and living those uh, characteristics and things that he's preaching to the young men. And so, yes, he's done an amazing job, especially uh, with only three practices in the spring. And then over the course of the pandemic, you know, the Zoom calls and, you know, uh, all the different things he's working to try to do with the parents, getting them uh, information and on board. Um, I just think overall uh, we're heading in the right direction. Of course, there's always things that you can get better at. Uh, but when it's all said and done, I think he's done an awesome job of just being himself because I think that's who he is. That's how Memphis was uh, was so good in, during his tenure. Um, you know, he recruited well. He treated the players well. And they were successful. And, of course, the people there supported him. Uh, and so hopefully we can continue to do that here, support him. Um, through the good times, the bad times. But I just think the players, as we've seen, he, he communicates well with them. Even if he misses up, slips up and misses up on, messes up on some things, you know, he works to try to communicate. And as we know, especially if you're married um, or in any form of relationship, when there's miscommunication, there's chaos. Um, and when there's communication, you know, everyone's on the same page and everyone's moving forward. Um, and so, you have some some um, organization, I mean, some order. And so I just think he's done that. Um, and, you know, I just think he's doing a great job, not just with the players, but with the coaches as well. Um, when you talk about, when you think about Odell Hagens, uh, who's been there a long time, uh, the first time, not first time, when I asked Odell about Coach Novell and he first got here, he's like, man, you're going to love this guy. Um, and he's going to lead us to, you know, the promised land in a sense. And so with Odell, because everyone wanted Odell, including myself, I thought he should have been the head coach, but everyone wanted Odell. But Odell was like, man, this guy is the guy that I believe can lead us to, the, you know, to, to take us to the next level. And so I trust Odell because he's been around for quite some time and he's seen coach Bob and he feels like this is one of the um, strengths. Uh, well, one of the things that, he sees in Coach Bob, what he saw in Coach Bob, he uh, sees that also in Coach Norville, some of the things. Yeah, and that, that's great to hear. You know, we've had a couple national analysts on here talking with us in, a, in the shows in the past, and it's a, a consistent message is that it seems to be a well thought of as a really good hire, as a, a good leader. Um, and it, you've touched a few times on the, you know, senior leadership and the importance of, in a program right now. 
I know last week, Warwick Dunn went and spoke to the team and uh, Florida State social media released a few clips. And one of the clips, he talked about how he came in as a freshman and uh, there was a senior leader that he really looked up to named Charlie Ward, speaking of you, obviously. So I was wondering, have you had a chance to talk to any of the players since Warwick Dunn spoke to the team? Because I know you've been around the players, and now for them to hear it from a guy like Work Dunn, who also won a national title and did it at the next level, saying, hey, you know what, I, I really benefited from having a senior leader like uh, Charlie Ward to where now, Charlie, you can go to a Tamari and Terry and Marvin Wilson and say, you know, these young guys, they need you because they're still here even when you guys leave next year. Um, I haven't talked to any, any players outside of my my sons on the team. Um but I really hadn't talked to him. I just only heard uh, what he shared, and he was saying that he gassed me up, you know, you know whatever that whatever that means. But <laughs> that's but, a good uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I just think it's important, you know, that you know I'm I'm not a big believer in you know the the rookie freshman initiation all that kind of carrying on. I think there are other ways that we can initiate. Um, that's by leading them in the right direction as opposed to, you know, beating up on them and having them do crazy things. I think there are some things that young guys should do just to, you know, earn their keep. Uh, but, you know, the other things as far as initiation and all that, I'm not for. But I do believe that as seniors, we have to, if we're, if we're going to be successful, and this is in any business, um, a lot of times, uh, even in the pros, um, when you're a veteran, you want to be able to teach the younger players that's coming in how to, you know, show them the ropes. Um, and so I know as a senior, you know, I was afforded opportunity to have work as my roommate, as a true freshman. Um, you know, <clears throat> Doug Williams asked me to, to have a work or take work in and take care of him. And so, and Doug is one of my uh, heroes. And so uh, I was like, okay, I mean, that's cool. I don't have a roommate at the time and he needed someone uh, that could show him the ropes and help him through this tough time with his mom, you know, getting killed and those types of things. And uh, I think I was just the right guy for him. You know, someone that was going to listen to him uh, because I didn't, I I talked some, but I didn't talk a lot, but he, but we were good for one another. Uh, He saw me going through my senior year, uh, the Heisman run and the championship run and all, all the media and all the fanfare and all the different things and how I was able to handle all of that. Um, he saw all of that. And so sometimes it's, it's about, you know, being a leader, being an example, as opposed to talking all the time. And so, so there are some guys who talk a lot. Uh, we're good at information, uh, but sometimes you have to lead by example um, and he saw, you know, a lot of different things and it helped him along the way, you know, as he continued to progress as a um, football player and also as what he's doing today, you know, helping uh, single moms with, you know, with their homes. And so I just think it's important, you know, because as a rookie, my, my rookie year in the NBA, I had a couple of mentors, uh, Derek Harper, longtime veteran. We were playing the same position. He taught me everything that I knew about being a professional and, you know, a lot about the game.
because I practice against him every single day. And of course we had the initiation, but he didn't really, you know, he didn't care about that. He was more so worried, I'm not worried, but interested in me developing as a person and also as a basketball player and having veteran leadership, a guy that's been doing it for quite some time, it can definitely help curve your, uh, make your curve as far as playing quicker. Um, and so I just think that's important to be able to have great leadership. Guys has done it before. And when you have that, that's when your teams are very successful. Um, earlier this week, I saw in the press conference, Coach Norvell, he was talking about the standard that we have to play at, at Florida State and how he's going to demand that out of each and every player, even if it's someone that played a lot of games in the past. If they're not playing that the FSU standard, then they won't play going forward in the future. And it's kind of a wake-up call for a lot of guys, a lot of guys that have played in the past. You may think that you're all-world, all-American, but even you know um, it will be some film I look back at in the past. I thought I had a great game. Then we get in the film room, coach is like, man, that, that this game was trash. You could have did a lot better than that. And I think that's important that Coach Norvell is setting that standard early on for guys because going forward, we're going to need that. What are your thoughts on it? Well, um, you know, that's the standard we were raised on. Um, of course, there was every, everything was tied to um, a consequence, a miss, miss meeting. You know, you had stadium steps, uh, missed assignments. You had to do that. Whatever it missed was, you had to run a gasser or, you know, run that play or whatever time and time again, a certain amount of time. So everything that we did had consequences. And one of the things I've learned over the course of my years of playing and coaching through a lot of different coaches is you have to hold that same standard to your best players. Uh, because more, most times the best players, they always feel like they can get away with doing certain things. When there's not discipline, they can get away with certain things. Um, because they, the coach feels like they can only win with that guy. Um, and so I just think it's important um, that everyone gets held to the same standard. Um, I know when we played, no matter what we were doing, we had the same standard across the board. An interception was 10 stadium steps. I don't care if you were All-American, preseason All-American, it didn't matter. You had to run 10 stadium steps if you threw an interception. And so I just think that when you have those type of standards, regardless of who it is, you know, everyone kind of falls in line. And when you don't see that favoritism with to the best players, then everyone behind them know that, man, I better get in, you know, get in shape or get in line as well. Because if he's treating him and talking to him and holding him to this standard, then I know he's, he's going to treat me. Um, and so I just think it's important that you do that uh, with your best players um, and not allow them to, to get away with certain things that, no, you know, a, a, per, a guy who may be um, second or third string. Um, I just think you have to treat everyone the same, um, hold them to that same standard, and you'll get the best out of your best players when you, when you hold them to that standard. That's for sure. Without a doubt. 
So taking it back to some of your playing days, um, which which always fascinates me, um, and really have fascinated a lot of people enough to, I guess, vote for you to win the Heisman. But taking it back to that season in '93, um, number one all year, going to going to Notre Dame and drop the game to Notre Dame, then obviously win out and and they lose the last week of the season to to ensure that we could go to the title game. Where I don't know if you've ever been asked this before, if you talked about it or not. Where were you? Were you watching that Notre Dame loss that ended up putting us back up into the title? Or how did you find out about it? Uh, were you with other teammates? Or do you remember anything kind of around uh, well, that? It's on video. Uh, we were getting ready to play North Carolina State uh, that night. We had a night game. Uh, I think it might have been 7 o'clock. And Notre Dame was playing Boston College. And we were at Burt Reynolds at that time. And we were preparing to go down to uh, the field house, to Moore uh, field house. And right before it was time for us to go, there was someone that said, man, Boston College is getting ready, is lining up to kick the game-winning field goal. And so everyone stopped, uh, you know, heading down. And we all went back into our rooms or went into someone's room. Um, to watch the last kick. And when the kick went through, it was like we had just <laughs> won a national championship. Mm -hmm. Everyone came out of the uh, rooms, hooping and hollering, um, and, you know, excited, hugging. Um, and, you know, one of the things my dad said, because my dad was in the room um, as well with us, he won things, he was saying, man, y'all got a game to play tonight. You know, if you go and sneak <laughs> it up tonight against North Carolina State, you know, this game that they, you probably just got back will all be for naught. And so we went out and, you know, our motto was someone had to pay, especially when we lost, someone had to pay. Um, Freddie, they, they didn't have that issue because <laughs> they didn't lose. But, um, or, <laughs> uh, but I just think um, – you know, we went out and took care of business. We won that game 62-3. to uh, We dominated, you know, from the jump. Um, and then we had one big game left, which was down in the swamp um, against the University of Florida. And they had just – and they had, they had a streak going. They had 23 home game winning streak uh, on the line, and we were coming in. Um, and we pretty much controlled the entire game except for the fourth quarter. They made a couple touchdowns uh, late to make it interesting. Um, and then just like any good team, you have to step up. Guys have to step up and make plays. Uh, we are fortunate to be able to step up on third and 10, which they had all the momentum. And that was one of the loudest places I'd ever been. Uh, the ground was shaking. We couldn't hear ourselves. Uh, but on third and 10, when we when I was able to make a play, get out of the pocket, and I hit hit Ward um, on the run, and Tamar Vanover got a little little uh, chip block, and Ward of course took it for seventy plus yards. We went from the loudest, <laughs> the quietest <laughs> I'd ever heard outside of our fans. You could hear our fans at that time, and that shut the door on you know them. And it opened the door for us to play in the national championship um, against, we didn't know at the time, but Nebraska. 
um, ended up coming back in that Nebraska game too. Um, you know, and, and driving us down for, for Bentley's winner. Um, thank the Lord. They hooked the heck out of their kick at the end. And, and we obviously had the better kicker there. Um, what was the, what was the, I mean, I know you're, you're an, obviously you're at that point, you're an all world athlete. You're playing in two sports. You're winning the Heisman, but what was the, what was the confidence level uh, down late in that Nebraska game? Um, you know, they'd held our offense b- before the kick. What do we, we only had 15 points. So what, what was the confidence level? Very similar situation to, to how Freddie's team did it, you know, down late had to go score. And and did it, you know? What was the confidence level going into that drive, that that final one there? Um, well, I mean, we we struggled offensively all game. Defensively held 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 their uh, held us in the helped us stay in the game, um, and they had done that all year. You know, they had played been stout all season, um, and you know, all the season you know, prepared us for that moment. People think, you know, when you lose, when you win games you know, big, like we did 57 to zero, um, 42 to zero, whatever it was against Kansas, you know, the first four games, I, I think we, the deep, our defense outscored, you know, the, the opponent's offense. And so all those games prepared us for that, that, that moment um, that, that you're talking about the last drive. And of course the last drive was, this very similar to the Notre Dame game, the last drive. You know, we had to drive the football down the field with a certain amount of time, and that game didn't end up well uh, for us because it was a seven-point difference and end up getting an incompletion at the end. Uh, but we were able to do the same thing against Nebraska. When you have confidence in knowing what you're capable of doing, um, good offenses, good defenses, they can get a stop or they can put a drive together when you've done it before. And so we we had the confidence to know that we can go out again and make plays when we needed it. Whenever you have a solid team, you got to have guys step up and make plays when you need it. And so we were blessed to be able to do that. Two, two I think, work. Uh, got two catches. Uh, I think Knox uh, got a, a great catch. Uh, we got a fourth and one. Uh, on that drive, uh, we were able to get a 34 belly uh, for <laughs> Freddie. Um, so we were able to get a fourth and one on that drive to keep a drive, keep the drive alive. Um, and then we got a p- pass interference on Kez to put us a little bit closer uh, to be able to kick the field goal. And we were able to make the field goal. You know, all game we had driven the football down the field. We just couldn't score um, except for that one time. And we were able to get field goals out of it. Um, and so in any game, especially competitive championship type games, you need to score when you get in the red zone. We weren't able to do that. But if you're not scoring, you need your defense to be able to hold up. And they were able to hold up uh, throughout the game and gave us a chance at the end. And, yes, we had a little scare at the end of the game, but it was definitely out of his range. Um, and, you know, we had we put pressure on him. You know, Clifford Abraham came around the corner and put a lot of pressure on him to, to make him, you know, go a little faster than he wanted to. And we were fortunate for him to hook it left. But, you know, in a championship game, you need breaks. Um, I know Freddie knows 
you know about that. You need breaks and you need guys to step up and make plays. Um, Scott was on the uh, was on the Sports Illustrated earlier that year. Um, kind of unheard of, right, for a kicker to be on the you know Sports Illustrated cover, and then he's the one that takes the field to to basically win it, right? Bowden, Coach Bowden had gotten so close so many times, and um, in his first title, goes out there and wins it. Was there was there ever a doubt that he was going to make the kick? I mean, what, you know, like what was the you know, I don't know if you remember kind of what the huddle up there looked like, but did, was everyone on the side, all 85 guys or how many guys were on the sideline, did everybody just know this is going in uh, without a doubt? Uh, well, I mean, we got them as close as we, we could. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how long the kick was. It might have been 20, 20 plus yards of that. Um, and so I'm not sure we got him on the right hash. I think we got him on the right hash to where he could hook it in. Uh, if anything, and so, but he had been steady for us all season. Of course, he had he had had his moments during the course of the year, but it really didn't hurt us because we were you know ahead of, ahead in a lot of games. Uh, but he came in highly talented as a uh, you know kicker from Colorado, and people were questioning whether he could kick it as far because he was you know high altitude and all those types of things. We didn't care. How far he kicked it, it was, as long as it was it was straight, you know, between the, the uprights, and you know it was a pressure it was a pressure kick, even though it was a, a short kick. I mean, it was definitely a pressure kick, and we had confidence that he was going to make it. But then again, all you ask is just for an opportunity or a chance to make that happen, and so we had to make plays, as you say, if you're going to win a championship, you got to step and make plays and. Scott would, Scott did that for us, you know, when it came to uh, making those kicks. But like I said, the whole game, the reason we had 15 points at that time was because he had, he had made some tough kicks um, to get us, you know, field goals when we should have been scoring touchdowns. And we only scored one touchdown the entire game. Um, and so that's just kudos to our defense. Um, and then special teams, of course, you know, having a hand in that as well. So, we put together drives uh, throughout the game to keep it close as far as us getting points, but we had confidence that he was going to make it. I know in your career you had a lot of crazy moments, a lot of great moments that come to your mind whenever we have these conversations, but is there a play that stands out to you throughout your career that – Whenever, whenever we have these conversations, that's the first play you think of. Like, I, that's a moment I'll never forget. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a moment. Now, there was a stretch that made me a better football player or a better person, and that was my junior year when I was struggling. Uh, the first four games, I had like 13 interceptions, uh, which was crazy. Um, but I ended it the season with, uh, 17 interceptions. Uh, so, you know, about the, by the end of the season, I only had four. And so there was a big turnaround. And of course our offense took off after the, uh, Georgia tech game. Uh, we did have a slip up. It was raining in, in Virginia. Uh, where we were able to clinch the ACC, uh, title. 
but I, um, it was that stretch where, you know, I was struggling. I was inexperienced. That was really my first time getting a chance to play. And so I was making some throws, over overthrows, uh, trying to stick some uh, balls in, got some balls tipped. Um, you know, just a lot of things when you're struggling, <laughs> they go wrong. And so I just fell into that that uh, class and I just had to fight my way through it. I had a lot of guys who were encouraging me because they knew what I was capable of doing. And um, I got booed at home against North Carolina my junior year uh, because I threw, you know, another interception. And, you know, it was one of those deals where you just had to continue to fight uh, that inner man. And, you know, from a mental standpoint, you had to stay to stay the course, uh, trust, because, you know, as a quarterback, you have to continue to trust that your work that you put in, you can still get it done. And so, you know, I put a lot of time into it to get to that point. And, you know, coach sat me down a few times to, to see what was going on. Uh, but again, I go back to our defense. As many times those first four games, I put them in difficult situations. They found a way to keep us in the game. Um, and so, you know, I just say, you know, that was a, I struggled, but I was able to persevere through that because I had great teammates. I believed in what I was capable of doing. And then again, they gave me an opportunity at the end of games to go out and make things happen. And I was able to do that. And so some of that, you know, sometimes it happens, it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but I'm grateful for those, for that moment because it helped me to understand the importance of being a team um, and also uh, stepping up and making plays when, when your numbers call in tough situations. Uh, Charlie, if, if we could do a fantasy draft um, of every player that's ever played at Florida State uh, and you've got the number one overall pick, who are you picking? The number one overall pick? You've you got the number one overall pick and you pick any player that's ever played at FSU. Who are you uh, taking? Besides Freddie. I know he's on here, so you don't just want to butter him up. <laughs> Well, can we, can we say offense and defense? <laughs> uh, you can go offense. Let's go offense. Today's today. It's today's football, so it's all about offense now. I would, uh, from an offensive standpoint, I would go with, uh, of course, you need a, a sound quarterback. So I would go with Jameis Winston for, you know, just sound quarterback, guy that you know is going to lead you. Um, you know, in the football field and the guy today, I wish we had back then, but the guy today is what I, I'm, I'm looking at from a leadership standpoint. Um, but on the field, you know, he was able to get it done at an early age. And I just think he, he was sound when it came to being that quarterback. Defensively, I would go with Deion Sanders. Um, he's a punt returner. Uh, he's a guy that can cover, you know, one side of the field and don't have to worry about everything else. And he's just one of those guys that make plays. Um, I'm a I'm a huge Jameis fan. I'm a huge Knowles fan. I'm a huge Jameis fan, being a little younger. Um, so I like your answer, too. But I know a lot of people would pick you. 
I know a lot of people would say, I'll take Charlie. Let's run and gun him. So, but I like it for sure. Uh, I've got one more that I'm going to pass it off and, and let these guys kind of wrap up. But uh, you played 10 years in the NBA. Um, you know, so understated, you know, how hard it is to do that. Um, you were in the NBA from, from 94 to uh, what finished out in 0405 with, with Houston. Uh, earlier this year, we saw the tragic passing of, of Kobe Bryant. Um, did you ever, I, I know that you played point. I know, East, you know, I know there wasn't a ton of crossover there, but did you ever go up against him or I don't know if you ever guarded him one-on-one or I ever had to like switch to him or whatever, but like, did you ever go up against him? And, and what was that like? Um, so, you know, he, he was starting his career as you were ending yours, but with thoughts on Kobe. Well, I mean, yes, I did get an opportunity to play against him. Um, he was a little bit younger um, during that during that time and kind of up and coming, but he was still talented. He was young, and, you know, every time he came to the garden, he kind of torched us. Uh, when we went, played out in L.A., he kind of torched us, but he did that to everyone, so <laughs> I didn't feel too bad. But um, he was just—he was just that guy. Very, I played against Michael Jordan um, as well, and they were very similar in a lot of ways. Of course, of course, um, Kobe uh, kind of patterned a lot of things. If you could just watch his mannerisms, the way he talked, the way he played—you know—it was very similar to Michael um, in a lot of ways. And so you kind of got both both of those guys in the same. Um, same line or same way that they played, and he was just a tough guy to guard, regardless of who it was. And you knew what he's capable of doing. And I mean, I I knew him, but didn't know him like that. Um, so it was a tough loss uh, because sometimes you think those guys are invincible when it comes to you know life, and it was definitely tragic. Um, you know, we also lost a guy this year that I got an opportunity to play against, uh, Cliff Robinson, um, another NBA uh, vet that played that, you know, he was a little bit older than I, I was, but I got an opportunity to play um, against him. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we just have to understand that when we're in the moment, you know, it's great that we get an opportunity to compete and do all those type, types of things. But when it's all said and done, it's about, you know, leaving a legacy. The things that we're doing uh, today is it having a making an impact on, on people's lives. And we get so caught up in a lot of other things. But, you know, when COVID retired, you know, people were thinking, what is he going to do next? Uh, he just wanted to be a dad. And so he became like the, the voice for girl dads. Even though there are a lot of dads out there that were doing things before with their daughters, but he made it cool in a sense. And um, and so, you know, it was just tough for him and his, uh, his daughter uh, to be in that, that plane uh, helicopter crash. Um, and it's just uh, unfortunate, but I do believe that he left an impact on a lot of different people um, before he left the earth. And that's what I would like to do. Hopefully, all of us would like to uh, be in that, be in that, um, that boat as well. 
And that's the way we should live our lives. And that's what God wants us to do. Uh, make an impact while we're here because we don't know how long we're going to be here. Yeah, and Charlie, I, you know, just going off that, there, there's certainly a, a leader we have on Florida State's campus. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time at Duke Campbell Stadium tonight. Let's go across the complete other side of the campus to the TLC Double C um, with Leonard Hamilton. I think, you know, nobody does as good a job as he does uh, uh, when it comes to just running a quality program, getting in quality character people that are also outstanding athletes. You know, a, a few years ago, it looks like there were discussions that should we bring him back? Should we not? You know, and, and I think all of us are extremely happy we did keep Coach Hamilton around. So what was it like seeing that the transformation of the basketball program the past decade or so, even before Coach Hamilton came on, to where it is now, to where he has the number one recruiting class in the country. And, uh, you know, it, they just finished top number four in the country last year, and they were robbed of a chance at a national title. But Hamilton has got this place, a program at a place, you know, that you have to be proud of as someone who came in the early 90s and was one of those, you know, trailblazers for the Florida State basketball program. Uh, yes, I'm, you know, very excited for Coach Ham. Uh, he's been at Florida State for a long time. And that was one of the things that I was struggling with with the football programs because we had had longevity at the head coaching spot. And then all of a sudden we started, you know, switching shoes and clothes and everybody, you know, within a three or four year span. And it just wasn't Florida State. Um, and now I think we're, we're set there. But Coach Ham has been steady. Um, he's stuck with his, you know, what he's wanted to do. He's brought in different types of guys, guys who, you know, been around for four years guys who've been around for, you know, two years, some one and done. And so he's had a, you know, he's built that type of program. Um, and he plays a lot of guys, uh, which is different. Um, he, he's 11 deep uh, for the most part. And guys understand that. He very rarely has, has a guy on his team that averages more than maybe 16 points a game. Um, because a lot of times they only play so much because he wants you to play every possession with great effort. And if you're doing that, then it's hard to play a lot of minutes. Um, and I know that. And so I just think, uh, you know, people respect him uh, for who he is. He's an older gentleman. He's been around. He's seen a lot. Um, and he'll, he, he'll let you know that it's not just him. It's his assistants as well. You know, he's had stability. When we talk about longevity success when you have stability in your coaching staff it helps it helps tremendously and so stan jones cy young and now coach steve smith uh those guys steve is relatively new he came in last year but cy i think has been there more than seven eight years stan jones i think he's been there the duration um and so when you have that type of stability you're able to build a program like he's been able to do over his, over a 10 year period or so um, and have great success because of just the stability um, of what they're of the coaches and then the system hasn't changed either. And so of course it's grown, but they've now gotten to a point where they're fitting guys into their system that they want to, to, to run. And it's been very successful 
Um, and now guys know that they can come here and go to the league if they want to do the one and done, or they can come here and learn how to play uh, team team basketball. You know, that's that's the whole mentality. You know, he's thinking about the team, being unselfish. You know, those are the type of guys. And then a lot of times he he was taking guys who weren't highly recruited. I'm gonna say highly recruited. They were like three three stars or four stars, and people really didn't know who they were. And then making them into household names uh, as they progressed over you know over the time. And so I just think he's 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 amazing. You know, he's an outstanding guy. He's real, um, and I think that helps him out as well because he'll let you know. Um, if something ain't right and he doesn't mind, you know, mind it. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I believe he's signed at least one five-star each of the last five years with the exception of one year. And uh, I love this. I think it was a Stan Jones quote. I was listening to an interview and it, he was asked about that, said hey, only one year you've not signed a five-star in the past five years. And he said, well, you guys had that wrong. Cause we signed a guy named Devin Massell and we knew how good he was. So it's, it's awesome seeing coach Hamilton at, even with these five-star recruits, you know, if you follow the basketball recruiting, all these guys say Florida State was one of the first teams on them. He he know he identifies these kids at a young age, and uh, the culture he's built. You mentioned it. You know, if someone averages 16 points, that's a lot. I think back to 2017 when we had Jonathan Isaac, who's now with the Orlando Magic, and uh, there'd be games where he'd score four or five points. But you look at the bench, and he is the most excited player on the bench for everybody that's going. Uh, going nuts when anybody scores. And, and that's Florida State basketball for me, who I've been a huge Florida State fan, uh, football and basketball. And it's been a, so fun to watch because I think the players are so likable. And that's a testament of what Coach Hamilton has done with his program. It's just truly joyous to watch the team. So uh, it's been great to hear your thoughts on that as well, Charlie. My pleasure. But I do enjoy watching them play because uh, yes. they play defense. Uh, they get after people, and offensively, they pass it, they share it. Of course, you need guys to put it in the basket, uh, but they don't mind. You know, they understand and know how to play. Of course, they've been coached that way, but they definitely understand and know how to play. Um, and I just enjoy watching them, you know, execute. Awesome. Well, sorry. Not very good with this mute button, but uh, Charlie, I appreciate you a ton for for hanging out. We we asked you about this before, but you've got a new podcast, new show coming to the airwaves. Um, told me before with Lloyd Spence Jr. called "Believe in the ACC," covering the ACC. Um, you tell us a little bit about that. I know it's coming up here quickly before the season. Shout uh, out yes. your uh, uh, your info here. Believe in the ACC uh, with Lloyd Spence Jr. Uh, that'll be coming relatively soon. Not sure when we're going to start, uh, but hopefully uh, before the season, which starts, I know, I think most teams are playing September 12th. Uh, but looking forward to uh, talking, chopping it up, talking about the ACC, um, and of course, the Seminoles. Uh, that'll be a big topic. But that's something that we, you know, I'm looking forward to. Awesome. You can follow Charlie on Twitter at real Charlie Ward, man. We, we appreciate your time so much, man. I know that we've gotten a ton of comments here as we've been on here. Um, folks really appreciate you taking the time and, and chatting with us about uh, 2020 knows the 20, 
I'm sorry, the 1993 Knowles, your time in the NBA, Hamilton, the different things we talked about. So thank you so much, man. We'll have to do it again sometime. I want to all I respect your journey as far as being vegan because I tried it for about four days. You see, I'm on my fitness journey now. I lost a lot of weight, but I respect you being on that that vegan journey. No doubt, yeah, I'm feeling good. But yeah, I like I like shrimp and chicken, man. But I it's definitely a challenge. But you feel good doing it. Well, I had to change my my ways of thinking because I had a stroke. That was like two almost three years ago now, but. I had a stroke, and so when I went to my cardiologist, one of them, uh, he made me uh, do a a raw vegetable, uh, a raw diet. Um, and so it was all fruits and vegetables and nuts um, that I had to eat for like four weeks. And then he changed me over to, um, you know, just a, a plant-based diet. So... It's been it was challenging at, at the beginning, but now I found ways to uh, you know to eat and eat well. But of course, exercising does help, you know, with that whole plan. And so I just had to make some changes, just like we all have to do when we when we're faced with adversity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No doubt, no doubt. Those um for guys that aren't vegans don't know about the vegan food, the beyond meat patties. <laughs> yeah, are good. I'm telling you, like it got me through. Once I ran out of those, that's why I broke my diet. <laughs> yeah, I, I just made some. Um, I just made some some uh, black bean uh, patties with the Beyond Meat um, burger meat. So they they weren't bad. We gotta we gotta get you a segment on here, uh, vegan cooking with Charlie Ward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, good stuff, man. We appreciate your your time again, and again, best of luck with your podcast and go Knowles, bud. Go Knowles. Appreciate it, Charlie. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, guys. All right, thank you. See you, buddy. Whew. These are getting tougher and tougher to top every week, boys. But let's say. That's a fun one. Um, Charlie came on the roll up a few years ago, um, but it's way more fun when it's just all Noel stuff. So, uh, what'd you guys think? Yeah, man, a huge Charlie Ward fan. You know, growing up in the early '90s, watching Florida State. You know, he was—he's—he's he's one of the OGs, and you know, and obviously, uh, you know, you don't need me to tell you this. A perfect representation in someone who you want representing your program. Um, who's still involved with these kids. You know, he takes interest in every single freshman athlete that steps on Florida State's campus, man. And he, he's just a true down-to-earth good guy who loves Florida State uh, University. So can't think of a better guy for this podcast. Yeah, I had an um, opportunity to meet him a few years ago when I was at the Senior Bowl. They brought me on to do a podcast with him, and I was just taken away by his personality and just down-to-earth guy. And, okay, we just kind of clicked, and we've been in touch ever since. Um. But yeah, great guy, loves his nose and is always trying to do things in the community and make this world a better place. So much respect on that. Absolutely. Well, Charlie left and we just had a whole bunch of people jump out of the uh out of the uh <laughs> stream, which I understand. But for the folks that are still here, uh, we've got some exciting stuff before we jump into it. 
Uh, do me a favor, man. We we just had uh, so many people's favorite Nola on here. Do me a favor and, and share this wherever you're watching it. Uh, if you're listening tomorrow morning or Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whenever, uh, retweet out that you were watching the show or tweet out that you were listening to the show on iTunes or wherever. But if you're on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube right now, uh, share it, give it a like, like the page, follow the page, um, and help us out with that. Comment, tag somebody that would like to hear um, a 45, 50-55-minute uninterrupted interview with uh, FSU's first Heisman winner because I think that's that doesn't happen too often on these internet airwaves. Um, I've got some some commercial type stuff to go into, and then we will uh, we'll get to the end of the show. Going a little bit long, but we'll go long when when you have an FSU goat on anytime. So I've got some commercial stuff. So y'all y'all buckle up on this. Um, first thing is a lot of people have asked about these shirts. We've got these shirts. I'm wearing one now. Let me move this. Uh, these shirts are available on the best way for you to find them. If you message me or you message the show, like I'll send you the link. The easiest way to find it is to go to our Instagram and it's the, it's the link in our Instagram bio, right? So go to Instagram. It's just double fries pod. You'll see it there. Click on that and you can get a t-shirt. Um, any you know any color you want there's a bunch of different colors and sizes they're pretty good quality you guys have them my kid wore it to a birthday party the other day which my wife was thrilled with that so um double fries no slaw t-shirts uh and then this is the big one this is something that we spent all weekend i blew these guys up um with this information and we are going to launch um, a patreon those of you that are familiar with um different sites, uh, different podcasts that have these different FSU podcasts have these big three roll up has one. Um, and we really spent all weekend kind of collaborating. Um, these guys, you know, Richie and Freddie helped me out. Um, my buddy, Brian and, and, uh, who helps us with some graphics and Ed Kennedy as well. Um, we kind of worked on this all weekend and we really want to do some cool stuff for you guys. So we've got four different tiers that we're going to be working through um, four different contribution levels. I'm not going to read out every single benefit, but every benefit has at least five. Every tier has at least five benefits. Um, the largest tier has uh, like 12 and you know, the, the more you, the more you contribute, the more you get, right? So pretty straightforward there. Um, everybody gets something though. So we are going to be doing a couple of cool things that everybody will, will kind of get access to one thing that we're going to do that everybody gets access to. Um, it's our snack size tier. So the tiers are snack size box bucket and family style, obviously after Guthrie's, uh, we're going to be hanging out in a discord server. I know a lot of you guys are familiar with that from the big three rollups from some other ones that go around the FSU community. We're going to be hanging out in there during game days. Um, and everybody, no matter your contribution level, will get access to that. We're also going to do a couple of extra shows uh, per week. Um, some of those we've talked about could be live reaction shows. They could be preview shows. Um, they could be, you know, Richie and I were on the phone. They could be a 10-minute halftime show where we take a couple of guest questions and stuff, like during the FSU games and stuff. So, um Stay tuned there. Every not everybody actually gets access to that. That's on the the higher three tiers. Um, we've got some pretty cool exclusive giveaways. Um, some access to come on the show. 
based on a contribution level, some personalized gear. Um, Freddie's going to be signing some copies of his book and sending those out at no charge. Um, little tangible things like this, uh, like these stickers that I'm supposed to mail out to people. And that's going out this week. Um, koozies, just all kind of stuff. So if you go to patreon.com backslash double fries pod, or just search patreon.com for double fries, no slaw, you'll see all the info there. Um, the other two cool things that I think we're doing with it again, I know this is kind of getting long, but, uh, we're doing a weekly pick them. There's no cost for that, but there will be rewards. And then we're also doing a score prediction contest where, if you pick the score of the FSU game correctly, we will send you some kind of swag, T-shirt, hoodie. I'll let you pick whatever you want at that point. Um, so going to be doing some cool things with, with different fans. Appreciate you guys' support. Nobody's required to do anything. This show is and will always be free. Um, but if you want something extra, if you want to kind of show your support, help us grow, we want to take care of you. We want it to be worth your while. We want you to enjoy the extra things that you're going to get. And so go check it out. Sign up for it. That'll go live tonight or in the morning. If you have any questions on it, you can shoot me a message, TJ underscore Pittenger on Twitter, or you can message the show on any platform that it's on. Um, things going to be fun, guys. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I think the best, um, the best here is the box. Of course, just goes with the name, Double Fries, No Slaw. The snack really isn't a ton. And then the family style is is a lot, uh, but that box level is is really good. We're going to be able to do some really cool stuff in there, and I think people enjoy it. Um, so that's all I got on that. Sorry again for the long commercial. Um, one more thing before we get going. I see, I see, uh, you see. I mean, Freddie's chatting with him too. Anson or Winston in the chat. Thanks for hanging out today, man. I'll give I'll give you a shout out in the comments, but I'm gonna give you one here on the on the real show as well. So. We've got just legends all over the place. So appreciate you for hanging out with us tonight, bro. Um, but yeah, go check out the Patreon. See if you like something there. If you don't, just keep listening to us on this one. That'll be fine. So somebody else say something because I need to shut up and take a drink. <laughs> I think you hit it all, man. I, I'm not going to bore anybody else with any more details. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have more to come. Uh, definitely looking to get creative and find ways to expand what we do and the content we bring in. I'm definitely excited about what we have for the season. And again, 13 days away, uh, 20 days until we play Miami. So it, it's now's a great time to, to jump on board. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it, man. Y'all, y'all got to tap in. I'm telling you, it's going to be well worth it. Like I said, we're going to keep hitting you guys with different heat throughout the year. So y'all make sure y'all tap in. Yeah, mobile toy around with it a, a little bit Georgia Tech week in the first few weeks. And, and a lot of it's going to be based on the feedback for you guys. You know, if you, you know, we talked about, you know, potentially a, a pregame show, like, uh, you know, just a few minutes similar to what game day is doing, but just Florida State focused, um, halftime, instant reaction. We'll, we'll find different things. So we're excited about that. Uh, with that, we ready to get into Florida State's week in review here, guys? Sure. I'm with it, man. Take us away. Yeah, so it sounds like yesterday uh, a lot of people were expecting a, fin a third and final scrimmage for Florida State. They ended up just holding a regular practice. Um, this whole week, the the constant theme from Coach Norvell has been physicality. After every practice, he said he really liked how physical things were, and he seems he's really pushing and challenging these guys. You know, he's not taking it lightly now that we're two weeks out. So I, I think that's a 
definitely something to be excited about that he's bringing the intensity at level up and it's really picking up. So with that said, you know, guys, again, we're 13 days from Georgia Tech. I saw the early line. It looks like Florida State's favored by 11 and a half. But, you know, the, the line aside, it seems like Florida State has a lot to be confident about. But again, we were I think the three of us were all really confident heading into that Virginia Tech game two years ago. And we know how that turned out. So not to bring back negative memories, but where do you guys feel right now? You know what? Camp is officially over. And here we are. Georgia Tech's on the horizon when the team they have Monday off when they hit the field Tuesday, they're prepping for Georgia Tech. Where do you where do you guys think we are based on what you've heard from camp so far? I was feeling good until you brought up that Virginia Tech game, bro, and brought it all, brought back all the PTSD at one time. Um, I feel good, man. I, I mean, Vegas doesn't miss often, right? And and to be an eleven and a half point favorite, I don't care if we cover or not, right? Nope. At this point, I'm not, I'm not into that. Uh, I don't bet on my team. I did in twenty. I bet on y'all a lot in twenty thirteen and fourteen, Freddie. But I don't bet on my team anymore. Um, so I feel good. I mean, I feel good about it, right? Like that, that is, that is Vegas. And you could look at the ESPN FPI and stuff like that. That is those outlets telling you it is a big, big problem if Florida State loses, right? Yes. Massive issue. If, Florida, if you're a two point favorite, and you lose. No, not, not a no big deal, but this would be a massive loss. And so there's a massive talent gap. Georgia Tech is, is by far the worst team in the conference. Um, I like getting them at home. The schedule that week is terrible. The Big 12 doesn't play anybody good. Like they all kind of play out of conference nobodies. A lot of the ACC plays kind of cupcake games. Like Miami plays UAB on that Thursday night. Um, there are not a lot of really good matchups. Actually, there are no really good matchups. And if you look at the spreads for that week one, we may have the the closest spread um, of the relevant games. And so I think there's a good chance that's a night game. Um, just based on the other games that are happening, I, I'd be shocked if it was anything earlier than 3.30. So it's at least going to be an afternoon, uh, potentially night game. And I, I think that bodes well for, for Florida State as well. Limited crowd size, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I feel good about it. I mean, I feel good with the reports coming out of camp. I think that, you know, things have been pretty positive there. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm ready for week one. So I'm ready for Freddie to strap it back, strap up the pads. Man, I'm, not, I'm not getting out there, but I'm ready for Freddie to go play. Yeah, yeah, I'm on. We've been hearing about this defense all offseason. We got a lot of guys coming back. Um, I think we got a lot of depth at every position. We finally got some depth at linebacker. So that's a big plus. Um, I'm excited about that. I think our defense is gonna be a big key this season. They're gonna carry us in a lot of big time games. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I'm just excited to see Norvell in action. We hear from everybody that's come on about how he's an offensive guru. So I'm going to be excited to see what he does with the offense this year. Yeah, and it sounds like one uh, uh, position that a lot of us had our eyes on heading into camp. Uh, we finally have some clarity, it looks like, uh, and uh, not for always the reasons we wanted. But let's go to the quarterback room real quick because it sounds like, you know, barring anything extremely unexpected, James Blackman's going to be our guy week one against Georgia Tech. Obviously, Chubb Purdy, he's out. We covered that last week. He broke his collarbone in the scrimmage. Jordan Travis, the coaching staff's been a little vague on him. You know, it sounds like he's going through some uh, 
but I don't know if it's injury or, or what it is, but he, he hasn't been completely right to be a full participant. He hasn't participated in either scrimmage, which means true freshman Tate Rodemaker. It looks like he's kind of established himself as the number two quarterback should something happen to Blackman. But again, uh, like TJ mentioned, Georgia Tech, it really is the perfect game because it's not, you know, some, uh, you know, FCS school that you just don't know it. You could score 70 points and still not be any good. Um, you know, Georgia Tech is a team that they're at least it's a conference game to where it gives you something to look at to say, okay, we have a baseline to where if Heath goes out and throws three picks, you know, that's that's a problem. But also if he looks really good and has four touchdowns, one interception, that's something to get excited about because it is a again, a, at least a conference team. So what's your thoughts on the quarterback room, Freddie? Again, it seems like Blackman's the guy. So I know people were split on him, but you know, as a fan base, we kind of got to rally around him at this point because he's gonna be our best chance to win. Yeah, I kind of know. I knew going into the season that Blackman would start us off heading into the year. Just too much experience there. Even with a new offense, he has too much game experience. And I knew that going in, he would be our guy to kind of weather that storm going forward. But as we head through the season, I think it'll be big to get Jordan Travis involved to have that running dimension added to the offense. Because last year, that kind of spiced things up a little bit. I don't know what the situation is with him. But that'll be a great dimension to add to our offense. Yeah, you got to think there's going to be some packages for him just because his athletic ability alone, you know, he his measurables may not be the, the sexiest as far as he's – I don't think he's out there running a 4-2. But if you watch him with a football in his hands, that's that's a football player. He knows how to make plays happen. And, you know, it's a, it's a shame it took so long to see him last year because as soon as he got his chance, man, he made the most of it. TJ, what are you thinking about that quarterback room right now? I mean, I like Blackman just because I like the, you know, the reports coming out. And obviously reports are only as so good as, you know, what we see in two weeks, right? Reports always sound good coming out of camp because you're not playing anybody. You know, you're you're a lot of times you're on air. And so anyway, the reports are always good, right? Nobody's going to come out in there and say, man, my quarterbacks look like dog crap right now. Like we are just terrible. So, you know, they're only as good. But I like I like the chance for Blackman to be in a new system, you know, he, he came out and played as an, as a, as a, uh, a true freshman, not an early enrollee when, when Francois went down, um, you know, after that Alabama game, didn't see the field um, much last year. I'm sorry, much the year. Sorry. I'm all over the place. Didn't see the field much with Taggart his first year got thrown all around last year, going back and forth, didn't get competent coaching there. And so I, I'm all in on Blackman, you know, to see what he can do. But I like the idea of being able to switch it up, whether that's with the running of Travis, whether that's with I, – I doubt that Purdy sees much significant time coming off the injury, but, you know, and, and missing the reps here early. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all in on Blackman, you know, and, and hoping that – he gets the best coaching that he's gotten, you know, while at Florida State. And and Jimbo's a great quarterback coach. That's that's no slight to him. But you know, Blackman got thrown in in the middle of a of a mess. You know, so I'm excited to see you know kind of what he can do again under somebody competent. In the chat, we have Mentry Patrick asking, "Is Blackman the equivalent of Brady White, the Memphis quarterback?" I'll say this: I watched a couple Memphis games last year, especially the uh, that uh, conference championship game. Brady White, I think his success last year is a testament of Norvell because when you watch him play, 
He's not a great athlete. He doesn't have a big arm. I mean, Blackman's got a cannon on the deep ball. So I, I think it's all with Blackman, it's going to come down to, you know, what, what's in between the ears. It's all about, you know, mentality. Can he uh, throw an interception and take a big hit and brush it off and come back the next drive and, and hit a guy coming across the middle? Because that's been his problem in his career. Again, TJ, you mentioned he was thrown into an impossible situation. He never should have saw the field as a true freshman. Instead, he comes out against Alabama, 150 pounds, but obviously he didn't make a pass in that game. But yeah, he's he's been put in just bad situation after bad situation, and maybe Mike Norvell's the guy that can get it done for him. So we'll see. Um, other news offensively, some uh, news in the receiver room. It looks like Keyshawn Helton, he's officially out of the non-contact jersey which is a you know mini miracle because when he went down last year, you know the initial diagnosis they you know the team doctors didn't think he'd be full speed until October of this year maybe, and uh, we all know he's been busting his ass on rehab. Him and Jaden Lars Woodby both had leg injuries. We've heard all se- all offseason how Keyshawn's been you know making sure his rehab has been as you know efficient as possible, and it sounds like it. And then another change in the receiver room: Isaiah Bolden is moving from defensive back to wide receiver. This comes as DJ Matthews is still not back with the team. I don't know if it's, you know, still protocol with COVID-19 or what's going on there. But I do know Ron Dugans was asked specifically about Warren Thompson and DJ Matthews. And he commented on Warren Thompson, but did not mention Matthews. So we're not sure what's going on there. But what do you guys think about bringing Bolden over just to try and get some extra talent? It's a big guy. He's returned kicks. He's got ball skills. Um, so I think he's he's a good guy to add to the room because defensive back, we're stacked there. He may not have seen the field. So uh, some, some switch-ups going on there. Freddie, what are you thinking about their receiver room real quick in the Isaiah Bolden switch to that side of the ball? Yeah, like you said, that um, that DB room was stacked. Uh, I don't know if he would have got an opportunity to play that much this year. So it's an opportunity. He's an athlete. Like you said, we've seen him return the ball. He can do some things with the ball in his hand. So – he has a great opportunity ahead of him. If he takes advantage of it, we'll see. But he has all the tools to be successful if he can learn the playbook. Yeah, you can never have too many weapons, right? You know, you you know, you look at the we're all Bucks fans, right? The Bucks had the some of the best weapons in the in the NFL last year at the wide receiver position, and then they all got hurt, right? Jameis played the last four four games of the season without Evans or Godwin. Um OJ Howard had his head up his butt so far that I don't even think you can count him being on the field. And so, yeah, you'll take all the weapons you can get, you know, with guys coming back off injuries, guys, you know, making somewhat questionable decisions off the field, you know, yeah, like when your DB room is stacked and you you kind of need like I said, you just can't have too many weapons. And so I'm all for seeing what he can do. I don't know how much I expect there, not necessarily in a terribly negative way. I just think that you know, it's going to be the, you know, Terry Helton um, show, but we'll, we'll kind of see, you know, if, if he's able to contribute at least a little bit, I mean, I'd still love to see, you know, Thompson and Matthews on the field there. They have a lot of talent. So I know that they, um, people get frustrated with them and they've done some things that, you know, don't make us all happy, but, and they're still both really talented. And so I'd like to see both of them on the field if, if everybody could um, keep their head on straight. So we'll see. Yeah, man. And then just uh, one quick note, a, a name that popped up a lot this week that we had been hearing throughout camp, but could be emerging a true freshman running back, Lawrence to Philly, Mike Norvell kind of mentioned his name several times and about making big plays. So we expect Jay Sean Corbin to kind of be the, you know, the, 
first guy getting the carries and then running back by committee. But I thought it was interesting to hear him. So just something to keep an eye on defensively. You know, but Freddie and I have really been beating this drum about how good we think this defense can be. I think TJ's getting on board with us too. Um, but we won't go too much uh, into the defense. But one thing I, I saw that was pretty cool, and I think you both commented on it that I noticed. You guys see Mike Norvell bringing his uh, this break the rock tradition to Tallahassee? Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. And I mean, I was trying to, I did some research on, like, hey, where did, where did that come from? But I mean, it's it's cool. The guys seem excited about it. That's the biggest name. Guys buy in, and I'm all with it. Uh, there's another rock that I'd like to smash. Uh, maybe not literally, but figuratively. I'd like for uh, I'd like to see the players sending out tweets of of um, Clemson Memorial Stadium, like Jameis did, that said "Our House." So that's the uh, I like the tradition. Uh, I think I think props are are good if they're used correctly. Like I think Miami's turnover chain was fantastic the first year that they had it. You saw every every program in the country try to do something to mimic that or. Or, or do something cool like that. And so I think this is cool. I think this is something that, that is good if the players buy in and it's not – I mean, all props are a little corny, right? You know, But if the players buy in and it's something that unifies the team, then I'm all for it. But, again, there's another rock that – I'm not predicting we do it this year or next year or anything like that, but there's another rock that I'm interested in smashing uh, in clubs in South Carolina. So that's my yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think, you know, this is, I think this is more than a prop though. You know, it's not something they're just going to see a turnover on the sidelines and go out there. So I terrible radio here. I kind of just went into it without explaining what it is. Um, but, but if uh, you were on the social media at all, you probably saw a video of uh, Mike Norvell talking about it. And then you see Joshua Kando, who uh, again had by all accounts a phenomenal camp. So uh, what this rock is, it's, it's a, Think of Florida State's Sod Cemetery, the little tombstones that's in there. All the players sign it at the start of preseason camp, and it's kind of their commitment to each other that, hey, I'm here by your side every single day. And they know from day one that, hey, at the end of camp, we're going to pick someone that's really showing and lived our values on and off the field, who's really pushed his brothers to be uh, you know, something better. Uh, and this uh, for fall camp, it was Josh Kando, and he's someone who we said from episode one when talking about the defense – they just got to get after the quarterback. So they needed somebody at defensive end to step up. And it sounds like Kando's really being that person. And, you know, he's a name. It, it doesn't really scare you because it's not like an unknown guy coming out of nowhere. This is this guy that was, I think it was a top five recruit nationally, regardless of position coming out of high school, his senior year. So if he steps up and lives up to that potential this year, I mean, that defense, uh, again, uh, we keep gushing over it. And I hope they don't make us look like idiots here. But I, I feel really good about that because, man, Kando coming off the edge, that, that looks exciting. So, Freddie, um, what are your thoughts on, on Kando? And then just, again, something that, that brings the team together is something that they've desperately needed and does seem meaningful that the team is kind of rallying around it. Um, I, I'm just happy to see him finally, like, putting everything together. I mean, last year he showed some glimpses before the, the injury, but bouncing back from that injury and, Coming back strong, much respect to him on that. Much respect to Keyshawn from bouncing back for his from his injury. But um, Kando's a guy that has all the tools, can bend, has size, is physical, has a motor, and he's showing that he's a, a natural leader. So going forward, we need guys like that. And him coming back this year, hungry, we're going to need him to step up and lead this team. And I think if he can stay consistent and – do the things that he obviously has done in fall camp, 
then we have some good things to look forward to in the future. The defensive line is definitely one of the strengths of this team, probably the strength of this team. And everybody thinks about Marvin Wilson, rightfully so. Um, one of the absolute best defensive linemen in the country. Um, but I'm telling you, if 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 Marvin Wilson can be elite, which he will, um, and Kando can also be very above average to elite, somewhere um, between there. It's it's you know I try not to throw around the elite tag for just anybody, but if if Kando can you know be very very above average to elite somewhere in that range, or if he can even be elite, that defensive line is going to be really really nasty and. Um, you know, Florida State, you know, has all the talent in the world, you know, down a little bit from obviously Freddie's years, um, but has, you know, more talent than, um, you know, I'd say seven to seven to eight of the teams they'll play this year. And Kendo's just another big, big piece of that, that if he can if he can show up and and dominate the way he should be able to, um, it could the defensive line could really, really be special. Yeah, man, and the the last bit of Florida State news here for this week. Again, the, the hopefully next week we'll have a kickoff time. We'll have a depth chart to look at, or, or have a much better idea. But the last bit, I went on a feel good story here. Uh, Florida State is now at their max eighty five scholarships for the season. Two guys, Wyatt Rector, Deontay Sheffield, both awarded scholarships at the conclusion of fall camp. Here, Rector, the transfer from Western Kentucky, uh, he came in as a quarterback. And ended up, you know, we saw he wasn't going to play there, but there was a need at tight end and said, yeah, let's do it. And one of the hardest workers on the team by all accounts. And then Deontay Sheffield, this one I was really happy about. He's someone who, you know, Jimbo brought in as a preferred walk-on and promised him a scholarship. Obviously, Jimbo leaves, so it's that's not up to Willie Taggart to fulfill that promise left by Jimbo, nor, again, that's not on Taggart. That's He didn't make the promise, and it, it sounded like, you know, Sheffield just stuck with the program and kept fighting it out. He was our starting running back in the Sun Bowl and actually played really well and gets his scholarship. Um, so what did you guys think when you saw those two? Uh, you know, again, it, you love seeing walk-ons get it, but especially guys like Deontay and Wyatt that deserve it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was major. Um, Deontay had the opportunity to play in the Sun Bowl, show some of the things they can do, and then Wyatt, guys like that – that are selfless for a team. You'll have some guys that are walk-ons that can make plays, probably go to another school and get put on scholarship and contribute a lot to that team. But they're here. They're being selfless. They're doing everything they can to help this team be successful. And you don't hear a peep out of them. They're not complaining. All they want to do is be a part of something great. So I love to see these guys get rewarded. Um. Yeah, my thoughts are exactly the same on that. Freddie, who, who got it when you were there? Or just were there some cool ones, or did Jimbo ever do anything kind of in a cool way? Did, uh, you you see like the viral videos sometimes, but not that you have to give like all eight of them out from your time there. But like <laughs> anybody would remember. I think JV and Elliot, he was a guy that was that's major. a cool one, yeah. Yeah, we we saw early on. We felt he should have got his a year before, but he finally got it, and he's still in the league, going strong. So. Let you know some of the guys we got on walk on as walk ons at Florida State. They can play ball. Yeah, yeah. Javion Elliott's one of the coolest stories to come out of Florida State, like ever, you know, to, to go for a walk on to then be playing in the NFL and come to our Bucks. And so, yeah, super cool. Yeah. And, and I like the way Mike Norvell did it. He had the position coaches call them and say, hey, you need to go see Coach Norvell. 
uh, to the point where both guys said they thought they were in trouble at the time. Uh, <laughs> but, you, you know, you see – I love the videos too when you see a guy that works hard and the video goes viral, the team social media puts it out, and it's everybody, you know, circles up around the walk-on that gets the scholarship. They're all jumping up and down. Really cool videos. But one thing uh, – I forget where he said it, but Norvell – made a comment to where, you know, he, he said something along the lines, we have a bunch of walk-ons and every single one is just as important as the next one. So we didn't want to single these guys out in front of everybody, making the other le- walk-ons feel like they're Lenny less important because we're going to need them too to win these games. So, you know, everything he said, he, he lives it out through his actions, speaking of Coach Norvell. So I'm excited about him having him lead the program. And again, this week we get our first week of game prep. And then when we meet next unless we have a pop-up show we're going to be six days from kickoff guys i'm ready man hey y'all remember the video espn posted a few weeks ago hey getting closer to that time payback i don't know um how official this is or not um but logan robinson of no game day just tweeted a picture of his um, TV guide that has Georgia Tech at Florida State Saturday 9-12 at 12 o'clock noon. Um, I'm hoping that's not official. Haven't seen it released anywhere. A lot of times the beat writers get that stuff first. But uh, I know that what they've been waiting on is for the TV deals to, to finish up kind of in this weird year. So it, it doesn't shock me too much that, that a TV um, channel may release that. It also wouldn't shock me if, you know, DirecTV or Dish or whoever he has just totally screwed that up. But little – I don't know if that's really breaking news because it's not really news. But think on that and hopefully by the – yeah, said unless there's a pop-up show, we'll know next Sunday what's going on. Um, I'd, be I'd be surprised if that's the, the slate is terrible. And unless they just want to kind of get like, you know, Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame, like all – like in a row, but not have those big three competing against each other, which I guess I could kind of reason that out and understand that. That still just really sucks if that's the case. Like at noon, I think Georgia Tech and Florida State is like, it's not even a good game, but it's probably the, one of the best games on the week. So again, I, I just hope that that um, is incorrect. Um, all that said, man, I think I think I'm good today. I, I'm gonna give a couple more plugs. Uh, my buddy Mike just signed up to be our first Patreon, so sign up at the ten dollar level. We will probably do something special for the first, let's say, twenty people that sign up. So um, we're we're up to one. You got nineteen to go. Um, you'll get everything that's in the in the different tiers. Again, the Patreon just went live. It is Patreon.com. P A T R E O N. dot com backslash Double Fries Pod. Um, check it out. Check out the tiers. See what see what looks good. See what doesn't look good. Um, think it'll be fun. Again, if you've been to Guthrie's recently and you've been messaging me about a sticker that is going out this week, I waited until I had about ten of them, so I wasn't making ten trips to the post office uh, to send a three by three sticker. So now that I have ten done, I don't have to make so many trips. So those will go out this week. Um, remember to follow us on all social medias. If you will, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter are the big ones. We're also on Twitch and YouTube. It's all just double fries, no slaw or double fries pod on some of those other ones. Um, and yeah, tag a friend in this, go get a t-shirt, 
sign up for Patreon. I think I'm out of plugs. Uh, retweet this when it comes out. Um, we had an FSU absolute legend on this. Retweet it, share it on your Facebook, tag a couple friends in it. Um, and let's grow together. We're we're not slowing down. Season's starting soon. The shows will kind of change up a little bit because we'll kind of get into more game talk. Um, but we're gonna keep having FSU goats on this uh on this show. We got three FSU goats on it every week, so two goat fans and a goat fullback, but we're gonna keep it keep it going. So that's all I got for this week. Appreciate y'all tuning in each and every week, showing love, man. Like you said, go share this, share it in a whole bunch of groups, share it with your auntie, your cousin, great auntie, all all them. Yeah, and some more. We want everybody to see it. Y'all keep liking the Facebook page too. Go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and keep showing love. We appreciate y'all. Yeah, nothing to add. I appreciate all of you who are listening and sharing the content. We enjoy doing it. So uh, you guys enjoying listening to us, that, that that's awesome. But thank you all. We do appreciate it. Good stuff. I picked a song last week, I believe. So Freddie Rich. Oh, wait, no, no. Maybe Freddie did. Freddie picked the song. It was a throwback, something I didn't, I wasn't expecting. Um, But Richie, your song this week. Oh, man. Let's see here. So we were what some came on the radio earlier and it was a it was a new artist singing an old song. I did not like the remake, but I'm a big fan of the original. So let's uh let's go TJ's lane a little bit. Uh 13 oh, days. All right, very good. <laughs> 13 days till Florida State football. It's a great day. Let's let's play some Travis Trick. Great day to be alive. All right, we'll do it. We'll see you guys next week, man. Thanks for hanging out. I got rice cooking in the microwave. Got a three-day beard I don't plan to shave And it's a goofy thing But I just gotta say Hey, I'm a-doing alright Yeah, I think I'll make me some homemade soup Feeling pretty good and that's the truth It's neither drink nor drug-induced No, I'm just doing alright And it's a great day to be Alive. I know the sun's still shining when I close my eyes There's some hard times in the neighborhood But why can't every day be just this good? Oh. It's been 15 years since I left home I said good luck to every seed I'd sown Give it my best and then I left it alone I hope they're doing alright Now I look in the mirror and what do I see? A long wolf there staring back at me Long in the tooth but harmless as can be Lord, I guess he's doing alright And it's a great day to be alive I know the sun's still shining when I close my eyes There's some This good Sometimes it's lonely Sometimes it's only me And the shadows that fill this room Sometimes I'm falling Desperately calling Howling at the moon
tattoo I'll take my old Harley for a three-day cruise Might even grow me a fool man chew And it's a great day to be alive I know the sun's still shining when I close my eyes There's some hard times in the neighborhood But why? 